welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the North Witch Podcast. On today's episode, we have Irene Glass and Kane Dreamwalker, and they have just released a wonderful new book, and it is pertaining to their mystery school that they run. So how's it going today, guys? Really great. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I just finished your book today. I, I was a little bit behind, a little bit delinquent on it, but it was it was really nicely put together. And I, I love that you guys put in, you know, a lot of things that, you know, we wouldn't have seen in, you know, the Buckland days or the Cunningham days and stuff that, that really tie things together. You know, like one of the things that really stood out to me was having, you know, journeying and spirit flight and, you know, training people to actually practice not only in this world, but in the other. So it was really, really cool. So what kind of inspired you guys to do this and put it together in, you know, such a useful and tangible way? The, the entire school and its existence was the result of sort of a mystical experience. Um, I'm a practitioner of the Norse form of divination known as Sather, and I was in a Sather ritual, and we were doing a ritual with the Norns, who are a little bit like the Greek fates. So they are one for the past and one for the present and one for the future. And I'd asked the Norn of the future, you know, what, what should I do? And the answer I got was, keep teaching, make them like you. And so I sat with that, you know, because it's a Norn, right? So they speak in riddles and in incomplete thoughts or things where there's a lot of different possible interpretations. And so I spent a while thinking about, well, okay, if I was going to make a witch like me on purpose, what would that even look like? And that kind of informed the way the school began because I thought about, all right, what are my, what are my skills? What are the things I do really well? I do a lot of spirit healing. I do a lot of work in the other. And I learned those skills fairly late. So the thought was, okay, if I wasn't going to take 20 years to get here, what if I tried to do it in four? Then could I build those skills in earlier? Um, and Kane is in the band Kindred Crow with me. We're, you know, basically siblings at this point. And I was talking about all of my plans for the school. Uh, and I know advanced sort of spirit work, journey work. Kane knows the beginning stuff that you can learn from, you know, the sort of the beginning spirit books. I was like, oh, I'll jump in and, and help teach that. Absolutely. So the school is a synthesis of our two skill sets, but it's been reordered and like this is the order I wish I had learned things in if I hadn't taken multiple decades to get where I am right now like this is how I wish I'd been taught this material uh, I think like most witches in their 40s and up I am a patchwork of different books and training courses and opportunities to study with people and it's like this ridiculous salad bar of witchcraft and I think with the Blackfeather Mystery School system we're trying to bring it into some sort of cohesive narrative we're like let's take all of this and make it useful and all relevant <laughs> you definitely did that you definitely started like let's go way back at the beginning so although I kind of like the patchwork way 
I kind of like that. Well, and I think everybody still should, right? Like I love going to festivals and conferences and presenting and going to other people's stuff. You know, I, and I, I tell my own students this, don't just study with Kane and I, study with multiple people. Everyone has so many amazing things to add. Black Feather Mystery School is, is witchcraft as Kane and I practice it. You know, you two, of course, are going to have your own takes on that. And all of them are awesome. And really everybody should be building their own salad bar. <laughs> this was just my attempt to like actually put mine in a narrative. <laughs> yeah, one of my biggest breakthroughs happened in a two hour lunch that I had with a good friend of ours named Jariel. Uh, and, and, that, and he comes from a completely different tradition of, of, of like more Appalachian style witchery. Right, and which is just like a whole new world compared to what I, what I had come from. So absolutely, like having that opportunity to bring like little nuggets of that into my spiritual practice was huge. And also, you know, just really reinforcing that idea of like grab a little bit of everything from the buffet. Yeah, absolutely, so cool. I think the other thing where we're really lucky, though, is that we have a school, which means we've gotten to test all of the material in the book. So we'd teach a class, questions would come up. If it was something that wasn't included, I always go back and amend my notes afterwards so that when I teach the material again, it is fuller. And I think that that's one of the, the good things about the book is it really is its field-tested material with beginner witches who ask questions that those of us who've been at it for a while might forget. I, I've got a blind spot now, you know? I started doing this when I was 15. I turned 42 next week I no longer remember what it's actually like to be a beginner which I am now too old so I think it's really <laughs> important to, to have people that are kind of blowing holes in your classes because then you find out where you need to strengthen them and the books had that experience which I think is really good yeah you can you can definitely see that you guys had some really good feedback on it and that uh, you know it was definitely distilled down to a very approachable system very user friendly and quite honestly if anybody follows this system whether they are new or seasoned or whatever you will get tangible results because these are you know you've you guys have included things that i would teach to a third year student you've included things that i would teach to a first year student you know you, you, it is just a well well-rounded thing and the thing that I really loved about it that is often missed, you know, like, like I said, in the old Cunningham and Buckland books and whatever, is it wasn't really laid out in a linear order of how everything would need to stack on top of each other in order for those skills to work. You kind of had to still figure it out, test it, see, see how things would work. And you guys really made it so, you know, every single skill you're teaching builds onto the next one and then onto the next one and then onto the next one. And by the time you get to the end of the book, really realistically you are a fully functioning witch and it's a really cool thing to see so uh, just again my hats off to you guys for putting together a system that is you know tangible workable and will will yield results and there's really no filler at all which is also you know for today's day and age with books being released they're usually you know 80 percent filler and the rest is thriller Your, yours is all thriller and no filler right <laughs> I, I think one of the big goals for kane and i also was to build a system where you could you could definitely do your first year or even a little bit more of witchcraft studies and not like metaphysically set yourself on fire like i think most people that I know who are practicing witches, we've all like really fucked up with magic a couple of times. <laughs> and so some of the Blackfeather thing is like, all right, how do we build a really safe container so that you have sort of a training wheel and a protective system around you until you're ready to not need them anymore? Because <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, oh, wow, I can manipulate reality a little bit. Allow me to make terrible fucking decisions. <laughs> it's like the usual trajectory. <laughs> At least for a couple of things, you know, I'm probably not the only witch in the world that's really fucked up with a love spell once or twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I, I, I like the way it stacks. And uh, again, I think a big philosophy around the order of the classes was what skills go in which order. Um, it's part of why there's so much around protection and grounding and, and stabilizing practices before we get into spirit flight and journeying because I want people to be able to defend themselves before we toss them off into the other and let them go have an adventure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And that, that is good. And, you know, like, like you say, you have the training wheels in, so to speak. So, you know, people aren't going to mess up with the, you know, as I call it, the first year love curse. Right? Oh, it's, it's so real. So it seems real. to be the thing that everybody plays with and messes up first. Right. So yeah. it, especially they're teenagers, like I was 16 years old. There was no way I wasn't going to make a terrible decision then. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember a single high school witch that didn't. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's that moment where you're like wow magic is real oh no magic is real <laughs> yeah for sure and so like uh, you guys also included a lot of um you know things that not everybody when they begin starts to use which is really cool so what made what made you guys have the decision to start including like so many different modalities that go together like you know right off the bat you have people using scent and oils and anointing and they're you know they're active activating energy centers whether they realize it or not when they're doing their anointing and you know so what what made you guys take decide on all of this eclecticism and how to make it go that way so i know for my part so i i'm a yoga teacher which means all of my witchcraft is drenched with with yoga practice which means that for me my own experience of energy and magic is very embodied so that's extremely tactile right it is the ability to feel energy moving in the body it is the triggering of the senses um, and using scent as a trigger i think is one of the most profound and powerful things that we can do when it comes to altering state of mind so i wanted to build that into the school very very early on so that when people smell a certain thing they immediately shift into ritual state of mind or they shift into study state of mind you know because magical study state of mind and ritual state of mind are slightly different things. I wanted to build in a trigger for empowerment, which is part of why we start everybody with like a self-blessing, like I am opening to my power. I'm uh, beginning to unfuck the patriarchy that has infected my shit. Like we wanted to really have an embodied, a fully a full-blooded experience of witchcraft. I think that a lot of us spend way too much time kind of in our upper chakras in the like sort of spiritual and cognitive and thinking about things and reading books and not as much in the lower chakras where we're really doing the work, where we're feeling things move through us, where we're creating change, where we're pressing our wills into the world. And so we really, we wanted to start that really, really early. So using the senses, using the body, um, you know, in the energy raising chapter, a lot of it is very physical uh, and it's to get people to fully empower their witchcraft. Uh, I think a lot of us are very divided from our bodies and it's a fucking shame because it's an incredible source of magic and energy. Yeah, and we, all, all of us, or, or at least all of us who aren't living in a cave somewhere, live in a very like fast and, um, like stimulating world, right? Everywhere you go, we're directed by lights and the sirens tell us to move out of the way when we're on the street and our phones are like up our asses vibrating and singing songs to us all day long, trying to get our attention. And we live in this world that is constantly pulling us away from ourselves, pulling us away from, from like our, our own internal workings. And so we wanted to design a program, we wanted to design an experience that was immersive, something that would get you away from all of the bullshit of the day, which is why in, in our opening ritual, we have, we have that whole like, pick up a stone and put all of your bullshit in it and throw it away before you come into class and actually sit down and try to do this work. And then, you know, take a snort of the sense and sing the song and, and, and do the dance and you, and you get to be like, in the, the 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 experience finally we've triggered all of the senses we've we've engaged your body your mind and your soul and that's before we even start teaching shit to you so we really wanted people to be able to train themselves to to pull away from everything out here and come back to here back to themselves and back to the moment so that they could really like experience what we're trying to to show them and share with them and then have that same skill of of coming back to themselves for later on when they're not in the room with us and they're trying to do this work on their own and they're trying to do their own workings um, and i think now that you ask about it one other thought 
in terms of putting every class within a ritual is just that I, I'm uh, the president of Frederick Cups, which is a very large Cups chapter in Maryland. I've observed that a lot of pagans that come in are legit uncomfortable in ritual space. Like, I don't know if y'all have experienced the same thing, but basically I'm super comfortable in ritual space, but I think it's just because I've done it so much that part of me was like, you know what, let's just, we'll start the journey towards Stockholm syndrome about ritual now. Let's start that now <laughs> so that by the time you're a year in ritual space, like fantastic, I'm in ritual space. I'm comfortable. I know what's going to happen next. I know my power. Like so many times when, when I'm leading a large ritual, like if we're doing a big high holiday ritual, there are people who, I mean, they're not going to feel anything if their shoulders are inside their ears, you know? So I think with the school, we really, and now that you mention it, like, oh yeah, that was totally a thing. When we were first designing Magpie, I was like, every class is a ritual, every single one. <laughs> Well, and that's something, you know, now that you've touched on that, that I really did appreciate about it is you guys kind of really conveyed that you need to have that sense of wonder, you need to have that sense of childlike, explorative joy, in order to make this stuff successful. And, you know, like you say, you host a ritual and all the adults show up and they're uptight as fuck. And, you know, my kids are there and they're dancing around and swinging their brooms and they're having a great time. And my kids are doing the ritual, but you guys aren't really getting anything out of this. So it was really cool to see that you guys, you know, you pushed that right off the bat. And then the other thing, you know, like you said, with getting the senses in a lot of meditations and stuff, the way they're taught are so two dimensional, you know, it's, you know, you're, I want you to imagine a tree and then you're walking down a path and you, you your guys is, is, you know, and now you can smell the dew in the air and you can feel the dirt under your feet and you feel the wind on your face and you're including all of the senses and you're truly taking people on a three four even five dimensional journey which i think is a, a almost a lost art for how a lot of this is taught so have you guys noticed that that makes a huge huge difference in the people's immediate success versus you know say these old style two-dimensional meditations Oh, definitely. We have one student in Black Feather Mystery School who is, uh, the term that is used frequently is mind blind, which means they do not see visuals the way many of us do. So if, if somebody tells me, imagine a cauldron, bam, I see one right in front of me, you know, uh, even the rust on the sides, the pentacle on the front of it, like I can see it. And this student does not have that capacity, but they can imagine, they can visualize, or visualize the wrong word, sensorize. <laughs> they can feel things, they can smell things they can taste things it's mostly just the visual sense that they don't have access to so when we design meditations and guided meditations there's this desire to make it as as dense sensorily as possible and then I think some of it is legitimately Keynes in my experience is journeying so when you are someone who takes a lot of spirit flights sometimes the thing you remember the most is a taste you know I remember I I went to um within the the heathen world there is a goddess called Freya and she has a hall called Folkfanger and I, I went there and was given an apple and I took a bite of it and I can still remember the taste of it because it was the most delicious thing I think I've ever eaten in my life. And so I know that when you are in spirit flight, your other senses are working. So, you know, when we come into a group of students who are perhaps in that state of crushed that so many imaginations are in our world, getting all of their imagination engaged and working so that they have access again to all of this when they've been journey, it's super important. So I, th I think that's part of why it's all there. Some of it I think also is just that, like it's, it's naturally how Kane and I write meditations. <laughs> Kane can speak to that for his part. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for me, it was never a thought to do it the other way, right? That two-dimensional kind of style, because my experience of journeying, of meditating, and things like that has never been two-dimensional. So when 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 I am talking about going on a, a, a journey with somebody, and I speak about it the same way that I would speak about walking out to check the mail or going on a hike in the woods or, or, or what have you, because that's, that, that is the intensity of experience that I, that I get. And when I'm telling a story, you know, about checking the mail or what have you, I'm going to talk about birds that I heard chirping and, you know, the, the smell of the neighbor's dog taking a dump next to me while I'm trying to do something, you know, th things like that. 
Um, and, and my journeying experience is that kind of vivid. So when I go on a journey and then bring back the, you know, the experience of that journey and write about it, those are the things that are popping out in my head of like the crunching you know, tw twigs and leaves under my feet or the wind blowing through my wings as I'm a crow flying off of a cliffside, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, again, it just kind of comes back to like, bringing people back, bringing people in. And, and you really don't get as immersed in, in just somebody telling you like to just keep seeing something, see a path, see a tree, see, see a cauldron, see a person stirring, you know, they're, they're telling you, you know, information now, listen to it. Like that's, that, that's not engaging. You know, people, people don't even read books for pleasure that are boring like that. You know, good authors know how to describe things and describe things in a way that evokes the kinds of emotions and experiences that they're trying to, to get out of their brain and put into your brain, the, the, the reader. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was never, ever on the table as an option or even a thought in my head uh, to, to do it any other way than the most genuine and profound experience that I that I have being given to these other people, the students, and you, the reader. Well, and now That's that you awesome. phrase it like that, I'm also thinking about the fact that, like, with a two-dimensional journey, if you give it to someone who has done a lot of spirit flight, we'll start filling in the blanks, right? So I'm guessing if Zariel or, or Sandra or Kane or I were doing a, a journey piece and someone was like, you see a cauldron, we would fill in the scent, the scent of smoke and the crackle of flame, like we would add that. But I think with, with people when they're first starting out, they wouldn't necessarily know to, and maybe those parts of their imagination aren't fully formed or strengthened yet or are still recovering from being kind of suppressed, which is what Western culture tends to do to us. So I think it's really important to have all of those pieces to be like, you can imagine all of this, all of this lives inside your head and then you can take that and that is your gateway to the other fucking world. Get in there, go, <laughs> follow the scent of perfume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and just one more very quick point to what you just said, actually, Irene, I, 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 the, the you can experience this. I feel like that's a really important nugget there because Again, journeying is real. Spirit flight is real. Leaving your body, traveling, traveling to these other planes of existence is real. And just like our skin experiences sensation here in the physical realm, our spirits are able to experience sensation plugged in somewhere else, right? And it's really important for people who are new to this experience to know that that's a thing and to be told that they can smell, they can touch, they can feel. Uh, and, and that, you know, that all kind of ties into the, that bit uh, that, I, that I write about, about how real and also potentially dangerous journeying can be, about how you can bring things back, your experiences as they affect you in those other worlds, coming back to you when you return back home and you're back in the physical realm fully. Uh, I think that it just even it's it's really important for beginners to understand uh, that all of those experiences that they're having right there sitting in the class on their couch, you know, smelling their living room or what have you, uh, are are just as valid as the ones that they're going to be having in in the spirit realm and vice versa. That's that's very very valid. So now now that we're on to this, I actually I you I just kind of realized that you know like the average person in their day to day life isn't even aware of their five senses in their like normal waking state. You know like because everybody is so dumbed down with their attention and with you know like you say our phone up our ass all day and whatever. So now I know that you have some because I read them in the book. But do you have any tips, tricks, or techniques? that maybe you could let our viewers or our listeners work with that could maybe help them to build up their five senses in a way that could help them open their six senses. Oh my goodness, yes. So I'm a big one for olfactory triggers, right? Think about 
the most recent intense spiritual experience you had or a place that you've gone that resonated with that incredible um, energy of, of connection and think about what that scent is for you. Like it's really easy with people who are recovering Catholics because it's almost always frankincense and myrrh. Like that's the, the scent of the holy, you know? So we think about like what senses bring us into alignment. Start using those. Start treating your vessel uh, with more love, treat it as a sacred, a sacred being, which it is. Um, the Black Feather system starts you right away with building a very specific kind of altar, and it's an altar to you. So we start with a mirror and a self-blessing and an anointing of the self. And the whole idea, I think our world likes to keep us beaten down, at least in the Western world. And historically, especially, people don't like witches. We cause problems. We tend to be the ones leading revolutions and just generally stirring shit. So there's this desire to keep everybody in line, which means suppressing sovereignty. So if we can start building that up again and bringing ourselves into alignment, taking a moment to feel your connection to everything, to anoint the body that carries that connection and then shield the shit out of it so that no one can fuck with you later, like that's a really great way to start. So, you know, it's kind of the, the foundations of witchcraft right ground and center shield align align yourself to who you are supposed to be um, our students work with a few different archetypes and one of the ones that's covered in this book is the empowered witch self we all have that idea inside of ourselves of who would you be if all you had to do was magic who would you be if you were fully sovereign fully empowered and aligning to that regularly helps us bring ourselves fully into alignment with it in the real world or in the fucking consensus reality bullshit hologram horrifying shit show that we all occupy right now. <laughs> and in, in other like smaller ways uh, that you can start kind of tinkering with, with bringing more attention to your five senses, uh, you can, obviously mindfulness is, is big, right? And it's, it's, it's such a simple practice of just like coming here and focusing on your breath and then expanding that focus outward, right? And then the other thing that, uh, that, that I have done in the past is playing with sensory memory and literally as just kind of like a mindfulness exercise, uh, trying to recall as vividly as I can what I ate for breakfast that night, trying to remember what it smelled like, trying to remember what it tastes like, trying to remember what it, what it felt like in my mouth um, and, and, and things like that. And, and then to go kind of like a, an even more simplistic uh, and often overlooked step further, read a damn book, like pick up Lord of the Rings or, or, you know, some, whatever your, your favorite nonfiction is, uh, you should read David (laughs) and, and like slow down and really read it. Or if you, you know, if if you struggle with reading, put on an audio book, listen, really listen to the things that are being described. And as you're listening to them, give yourself time to like try to plug in and experience whatever senses the author is plucking at in their descriptions. And by being mindful about your own senses, really taking that time, practice, 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 practice. You have to practice journeying. You have to practice ritual. You have to practice everything. And if you want to experience senses more, you have to practice it and you can do it in little ways. Like I just said, with a little bit of mindfulness, you know, tuning into an audiobook or reading a book for, for pleasure and really just slowing down the paragraph, read it again, see if you can get another sense, see if you can get deeper into it and just give yourself that opportunity to experience senses because the more that you can experience them here, the more that we can experience them everywhere. Kane brings up a good point. One of the things that we repeat a fair bit in Black Feather is the phrase that which is fed increases. All of this takes repetition, you know? I wish there was a shortcut. Like I would love for my own practice not to require morning meditation and yoga and all of the rest of the things I do to keep myself where I'm supposed to be. I haven't found it. 
you know, and I've been at it long enough that I suspect maybe it's not a thing that exists. And so we repeat and that way we're feeding the right part of our connection, you know, as opposed to our connection to the phone up the butt, <laughs> which is now the theme of this show is a phone up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, it all plays into the phone up the butt is just, we're overloaded with things and we do not take the idle time. Like Kane said, to just read the book for fun, just be where we are in this crazy world right now has taken that from us. It's, it's stolen it, right? We all, we don't give ourselves permission to settle down, have some idle time, take the time. So you really have to be like Kane said, it's mindfulness. It truly is. You need to be mindful that here we are now, this is what we must do. One thing that I've really noticed, and especially with me putting together my upcoming course, The Devil's Witchcraft, was, you know, when I had to really sit down and allow the spirits to speak through me to pour it onto the page, you know, one of the things that I noticed was I had some really crazy habits that I built during quarantine times, you know, like, I'm sitting here, I'm watching TV while I'm on Facebook talking to someone, and I'm emailing a business associate, and I'm on Messenger with three people booking a podcast, and not a single one of those things has even a little bit of my attention and then you know so all of a sudden I had to tone it down to now I'm only watching tv when I'm when I'm watching tv the phone goes away or the computer's away or whatever and then from there I had to tone it back even more to I'm just sitting in my living room on my couch and you know like I had to reteach myself how to be mindful enough to get the full-blown gnosis you know that you need to put together actual practical work right and so it was kind of a shocker to me how much we are all programmed to not even pay attention to how little we're paying attention like if that makes sense (laughs) there's a magician in our region named sarah mastros who i like quite a bit and she was talking about the way she writes she's written a, a few books at this point and that she says she only writes for about four hours a day but that is all she does then like there are no other windows open on the computer the phone is in another room that is all she does and I think that ability to do some single focus is something that our our culture has eroded with its its constant stimulation and then I think the other thing is when we get bored we get wonderfully creative and none of us spend enough time doing nothing to get bored now and that's actually kind of dangerous right like in the emptiness what grows no one's answering that question anymore and it's a really sad thing well, and I think that's something to be said, you know, because like I, I practice traditional witchcraft, which is a little bit different than, you know, what you guys have presented in the book. But, you know, one of the things that I get asked often when I'm teaching classes or seminars or whatever is, you know, why did people in the old days, you know, the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s have so many more profound spiritual experiences? Are we, you know, are we just not in tune with that anymore? And I'm like, well, think about it. They sat down at their dinner table. They had a candle for light. They didn't have a television. They didn't have a phone. They talked to each other while they had dinner. And then they all went out and they did their chores by themselves. Dad cut the wood by himself. You know, mom went for the walk down to the stream to get the water to wash the clothes by herself. You know, they were immersed in the natural world around them. And so this is something that, you know, like you have to force yourself to do nowadays, which is crazy. And so I, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you guys put that in the book that, you know, you, you're forcing people to do this in a way that they don't even realize they're doing it, which is what I really loved about how you guys put this together, because you're, you're literally building in tools that people don't have right now, and they don't even know that they're getting the tools. So it's super, super cool. So how did you guys, was that like a planned thing? Or was that kind of by mistake? Or, you know, how, how did it go to, to get to that where you're like, eh, we're just going to make them do it. And they won't even know what's happening. Yeah, 100% of planning. I, um, <laughs> I like to think of myself as a benevolent dictator, but I am a little sneaky. Um, and I have a a small reputation. So anytime people come to a class that I am teaching, particularly at larger conferences and festivals, we're going to work. You know, I don't come to me if you want a lecture only. That's not what we're doing today. This is witchcraft. We do things. So building in skill sets from the moment that they step into the room in our classroom or the moment they open the first page of the book, 
I want to be making the most of the time we have. I mean, you make a valid point, right? We're all overstimulated. We don't spend as much single focus time. We're not in spaces that encourage transcendental experience. So if somebody's gifted me an hour of their time, I want to make sure something fucking happens then. You know, I want this to be worthwhile. It's why the book is a bit on the dense side. It's it's all legitimate material. Um, so it, it does, it's, it's quite deliberate. When Kane and I sat down to really start designing Black Feather and begin writing classes, there was a lot of like, okay, how are we gonna structure each one? How are we getting people going and moving early on? Um, in the in-person classes, one of the phrases that you'll hear is go ahead and get uncomfortable with each other right now. <laughs> like when we're doing partner exercises, like just, just go through that wall. <laughs> Because we're actually going to be building some muscles here, which means there's going to be a phase where it feels really fucking weird. <laughs> That's awesome. Get at it. Get at it. Yeah. What are we waiting for? Like, <laughs> we are no, none of us are getting out of this one alive. Like, just go ahead and do some magic. You might as well enjoy yourself. Magic is fun. <laughs> yeah, it was super important to create an experiential curriculum instead of just one where we just taught just spoke and and just tried to like feed the information into people's heads right there's a um there's a really incredible book uh called the the um blackfoot physics and the author's name is failing me but it's he's it's right here it's right here uh f david pete blackfoot physics um where this uh the theoretical physicist spends a bunch of time uh, getting to know Native Americans, First Nations people, and and talking to them about how they do things, and and trying from a perspective of trying to understand how they view the universe, essentially. Uh, and one of the things that he talks about in here is their their idea on education versus like the the, the Western world's idea of education, and um, there's a phrase that, that, that he, he talks about called coming to knowing, which is all about learning through experience instead of learning through being taught. And, and that's a very, very solid, like old world native way to, to learn. They didn't just sit you down and tell you what plant did what or how, you know, how to, 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 to sing about your ancestors or, or, or how to praise the deer whose life you've just taken to feed the village. Like you had to experience that shit yourself and you had to do that yourself. And, and instead of asking a bunch of questions to your teacher, you were there alongside working and learning through that experience, coming to knowing how to do things instead of it being like plugged into your brain. And so I, I very much try to live by that idea when I am teaching things to my two students um, to create a way that I'm really just telling them how to do a thing and then setting them free and stepping back and letting them have the experience so that they can come back to me and tell me what they've done instead of me telling them what it should be. Right. Well, and I think that also brings up the point that if I, if I apply a skill immediately, I'm more likely to remember it and then use it in the future. You know, I, sure. I need to actually like do this myself. I learn better by, do, by doing, and I think the school reflects that, that both Kane and I are like that. That makes sense for sure. Um, so a lot of your techniques, you give a lot of solitary techniques, and then a lot of them are followed up with partner exercises. So being that this is going to be a released book, it made me curious, is Black Feather going to be available online as well? Or is it only an in-person mystery school? Yes. So the plan right now is there is an online version of Magpie training coming in September. Um, and if people hit blackfeathermystery.com, give me another couple of weeks to get it all set up, um, they should be able to register for it. Um, the next level that's in-person training in Frederick, Maryland is Raven level, which is very advanced witchcraft. So the, the, the Magpie book has just come out, but we're, we're actually three years ahead of it in terms of making a book takes a while. <laughs> it's a little bit like being pregnant if you're an elephant. <laughs> like it takes a while. 
<laughs> so the next in-person training is 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 quite advanced work, but but there will be a, a Magpie online version coming soon, which is great because we've had a waiting list for it for a while. You know, it, it's tough when you when you build a system to to have to have the boundaries of geography keep you to one place. Like when we started talking about Magpie and listing it online, I had a ton of friends. I, I go up and down the coast a lot teaching. Uh, just a ton of friends in New England and some down south who were like, oh, fuck, you know, I don't live anywhere near there. So we're really excited to be able to, to do Magpie level as a as an exercise that in that occurs within like linear time as well, where everybody can be together and ask questions and share experiences. And it's also designed so that you can just practice with a friend. You know, I've got a couple of people who are working through it right now and periodically emailing me questions who are working through the buddy system, which means they're able to do all of the, you know, the partnering exercises. I, I really wanted to, to set it up as a book so that it could completely stand separately from Kane and I, but then there would also be add-ons, you know, so if people did want a little more guidance, sometimes it's really, you know, I always wished I could ask some questions <laughs> when I was first reading books. Like, it would have been super cool to be able to email Scott Cunningham and be like, okay, so <laughs> why do we cast the circle in this order, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's uh, kind of the thing that we've all benefited with COVID is we've kind of learned that, you know, geographical boundaries don't really exist anymore as, as we are proving right now, you know, like it's, it, and it's a really cool thing to see that, you know, it's just making our craft and what we do grow that much more. It's able to reach that many more people. We're able to change that many more lives. And, you know, it's very, very cool that you guys are offering that. Um, so you guys also like it is a very eclectic mix in there. I mean, you've got elements of, you know, shamanic practice, you've got elements of traditional witchcraft, you've got elements of Wicca. So what kind of led you guys to that kind of melting pot idea? Because it, I mean, I, I read dozens of these books with this show now, and you guys really put it together really, really well. So, Thank you know, you. What, what, what kind of led you to that uh, amalgamation, so to speak? For my part, it was literally, it was that charge from the Norn of make them like me. I am an amalgamation. So my background is traditional Wicca. I was, I was part of and taught through a traditional system for years. I was a high priestess. I did the entire thing. And then eventually I strayed uh, and got into weirder shit <laughs> and picked up additional skill sets and studied with lots of people. And so then looking backwards at all of that and being like, okay, well, what is my practice? all right, then how do I deliberately structure it? Because it is a strange thing to go, all right, well, what kind of a witch are you? You know, because most of us are not just one book. We're not just one system. We're many things. We've picked up so much. I always think of it like, you know how when you walk through the forest, you pick up all sorts of little burrs <laughs> in, along your boots and on your coat. Like, I feel like many of us journey through witchcraft like that. And like, oh, I'm going to go to this class. Oh, I got something that sticks right there. Okay, I'm going to read this book. Well, that was really cool. and taking that with me. Like, and then we have this coat that's covered with all of these little, little wonderful seeds. And so when I was structuring, at least in my part of Blackfeather, it was all very much like, okay, so if these are my pieces, how do I make them cohesive? How do I explain the way they interrelate to each other? Because they do for me. So the fact that, that you were able to pick that up, I'm like, oh, good. I explained myself well. <laughs> Excellent. I was concerned. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely got it across very well. It was, oh, you know, it, lots of people try to do the melting pot eclecticism and it just, it you can tell that they couldn't really relate it and you guys put it together very, very well that way. I feel like, I feel like some of that cohesiveness came out of the thought process and conversations around, like, if we could go back and relearn this ourselves, what order would we learn it all in? And, and the more that we thought about it and the more that, 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 that we talked it out and, and started putting pieces together, um, you know, this is just kind of what we landed with, with what made the most sense to us if we could like get, go back and sit down with our past selves and kind of reteach ourselves uh, you know, in a way that we wish we had learned. But we joke that Black Feather's the school we wish we'd gone to, you know, just I, I wish it had been available <laughs> in this form. Um, That's why it's set up as a manual so that 
if you choose, you can go through and do an entire year's worth of training with it, with homework every week and reflection pieces and exercises. And then, of course, for those of us who are just filling in skill sets, you can also just jump in for the spirit work sections or maybe hit the apotropaics chapter if you need a little bit of a dust up on that. Like, there are a lot of different ways to approach it. But I think more than anything, Kane and I were just, we were building the school we wish we'd gone to, knowing what we know now about uh, you know, God, it would have been so cool if I'd known all of this stuff before I had X experience, because then I could have put it on a, a good frame. I think that was one thing we also really, we talked about a lot was wanting to give people like a safe structure to have mystical experiences. Because it, it, we're one of the only parts of, of Western culture that talks about and cultivates mystical experiences. Like it really seems like a lot of the majority religions kind of suppress them in a way, unless they conform to very narrow parameters. But we, of course, encounter gods at the damn laundromat. Like it, it happens. We have spirit encounters and these, these incredible run-ins with the other realm when we're driving or doing extremely normal things. Having a safe system in which to contextualize all of that was also really, really important for us and something I wish I'd had, you know, when I first started mucking about with witchcraft. Totally fair. So, Ma, you've been a little bit quiet there. So do you do you have any questions from your I, I love your beginner's point of view. Now, right. Mom only oh, just, I love it. <laughs> Mom I only just realized this last year that she's actually really, really, really witchy. And that most of the things that I do professionally, she's done her whole life. And she had no idea that she was doing it. And so now she's like starting as a beginner, but has, you know, but really not. Oh well, yeah, but you got witch blood, so it's you're only <laughs> slightly a beginner. <laughs> I didn't know we needed labels. We just do stuff, right? That's, <laughs> we just do stuff. I never had labels ever. I just we just do stuff. But I really like, like you said, this is just the beginning, and it's safe, and it's it's really quite attractive to so many. Um, I don't, from my beginner perspective, it's like it was very well laid out, very easy to understand not you didn't throw out a lot of lingo that's like the fuck is that like I didn't like it just it just made sense it was it was a nice I don't know how you say it it was a nice immersion into it with no fluff just real like it was it was very good and and like I said I had to had to admit I didn't finish it yet I have it on the side here and I keep scrolling it and I said to Azariel, it was definitely one that we we need to do it as a work book together um, oh, with my daughter totally and stuff too. So I totally think it will get like it's just there. That's what you want to do with it. So brilliantly written, brilliantly laid out, and it's good stuff. Oh, thank you. I do have to throw some credit to our test readers. So I specifically had some non-witches read the book to catch my language. Um, you know. Egregore is a normal word for me, and I have to appreciate the fact that perhaps it's not for the rest of the world. Um, my sister is not a witch and was one of the readers of the book and alerted me to the fact that the word working, as it is used in witchcraft to describe a spell or ritual, that's a verb for everybody else. So it's like, what's a working? <laughs> Why are you putting it like that? Don't you mean go to work? I don't understand. So that was that was a really big help. I think test readers and, and students are an incredible credit <laughs> when you're trying to create something for wider That's use. awesome that you so, use yeah. that because that definitely yeah. comes through because oh, with good. doing these podcasts, we've been studying and reading and doing so many things and so much of it, I'm like, Sarah, what are they even saying? I don't even know what they're saying. So this was lovely to- Oh, I'm so glad. You could actually get through it and not- uh, I don't know. I just, I get lost in the lingo sometimes and I don't even want to know what you're saying well, anymore. You can. This was I think, absolutely. I, I, just, I think that some people worry about uh, sounding authoritative and then we'll use like 20 point vocabulary words to back up that insecurity as opposed to just explaining things. I am Southern, <laughs> like we speak pretty directly <laughs> and there needs to be, um, I always love the analogy that if, if you can't explain it so that a six-year-old would understand, you don't actually know the material. 
So I try not to fluff my classes. I actually want you to have skills at the end of this, which means I need you to understand uh, the very complex and sometimes rather detail-oriented system that is witchcraft, but it all can be broken down and explained really clearly. You know, my favorite teachers are all ones that are like, all right, bitches, here's what we're doing today. We're going to connect the elemental fire, strap your shit in. Like, I love that shit. That's my right. favorite. So, <laughs> so the book it. is, uh, is phrased that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> And, and I hate to say this, but I also feel like people on the, and not all of them, let me put that out there, not all people on the opposite end of Irene and my spectrum, uh, I feel like there are some people out there who use that as a means of gatekeeping and who use, you know, the lingo, as you said, uh, and, and who, who use this kind of elevated um, persona uh, as 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 a way to to really just kind of like make themselves feel better, you know, <laughs> and, and and for real though, and yeah. and it really concerns me uh, that there are people like that uh, because the, the, what they're creating is more of a cult of personality than 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 really trying to educate people. And what we are trying to do here is make functional, powerful earth-changing, earth-shaking witches who can go out there and try to, to push back against some of the bullshit that we have to be inundated with every time we scroll our fucking news feed on like Facebook or Google or something and see all the chaos going on. You're not going to get that done by, by, by trying to gatekeep and cherry pick who gets to be a witch and who doesn't get to be a witch. We need all the witches we can get. We need all the healers we can get. And Irene and I are doing everything that we can to make this material as accessible as we can possibly make it so that anybody can pick it up and anybody can, can, can learn the skills and start doing better and being better you totally nailed it and it is totally it was so refreshing reading it going i get this totally get this yeah you you guys totally nailed it it was it's Brilliant. Thank you. I, I think it's part of why we have supplementary material on the Blackfeather website as well, so that you can download the guided meditations and listen to them. If if sitting and reading your way through one isn't a good fit for you, you can download the entire thing for free and then you've got all the supplemental material. Like we've tried to make this as user-friendly as possible. Um, like Kane said, you know, I, I think we're trying to raise an army just a little bit. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I quite enjoy the work of author Orion Foxwood, and he's got this great saying, which is when the world needs witches, she makes witches. And there's a reason there are so fucking many of us right now. So I think our goal is just to get everybody trained up, strong, empowered, protected, so that they can go out and fight the good fight. Well, and I really like that you, you know, protection is so huge, right? It's... Um... Like I said, like as Ariel told you about me, I didn't know well that I just do what I do. And yeah. he's been very on me about you need more protection. And I'm like, ah. so it was good that you really, really bring that home about no protection is so important especially right? for natural witches right so I, I i'm i'm a big believer in the, up until the 1600s witchcraft was always something that was considered hereditary it wasn't really something that you that you learned as much this was a thing that traveled in bloodlines i think that's very much still true today so you can learn witchcraft but you also many of us are just born this way and then compulsively find ourselves in witchcraft because we don't have another choice for how to be this is who we are <laughs> yeah, we but i do. think for I yeah it's just like you just do the shit just yeah but when you are a witch, it means that you glow pretty bright usually. It means that good things are attracted to you and also highly fucking problematic things. So starting out with protection is really important. Starting out with shielding is important. Starting out with cleansing practices and, and knowing yourself. It's really vital just because the stronger you become, the brighter you shine, the more things are drawn to you. And again, you can welcome in the good stuff, but you have to have some sort of a repellent system for deflecting the bullshit because there's a lot out there. And, and it doesn't mean that it's, I don't want to make the world sound malicious, but there are people with very low energy in this world that will latch onto a bright person and suck them dry, not because they're trying to harm them, but because they don't know any better. You know? And then on top of that, we have the cultural miasma. We're all living through a, um, what is the curse? A very interesting historical period. Like it's <laughs> really interesting right now. 
and the collective stress and fear that we all live in and around from the human minds around us is extraordinary. Most witches are naturally quite psychic. You're going to pick that shit up and we have to have a way to shut it off. You know, otherwise we're not as functional as magical practitioners and we got to be tough for what's coming next, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I can totally agree with that on all points. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're about to start a a 13 month course. Like, yeah, get it. Let's get these kids trained up. Right. (laughs) Well, You know, that's kind of why I started doing this and why we have the podcast now and why we're, we are now in a, period of time where it's sink or swim man and we need to teach a lot more people how to fucking swim yes, <laughs> it yes just exactly but it is and you know the, the thing is is i think the only thing that's going to get us out of this shit storm is going back to the old ways going back to our skills learning how to change things in our worlds through spirit flight and spellcraft and you know learning how to push back against whatever is pushing at us right you know that there are things that go bump in the night and sometimes you need to know how to bump back exactly well and and magic is a form of agency and it specifically tend to be it's used by by people when we don't have other kinds of agency i think many of us are feeling extremely powerless in terms of how the greater game is played on a political level so having a way to claim agency against that it's really important you know so yeah absolutely right your congressman make angry phone calls but also hex a bitch if you have to like just get <laughs> out there <laughs> i love that that's <laughs> It's my own t-shirt, hex a bitch if you have to. <laughs> I was actually just picturing that. I was making the shirts that say that. <laughs> that sounds funny. If you see me wearing a shirt like that in another podcast, know that I got the idea from you. I'm gonna be so happy. I will be I'll be thrilled. <laughs> I will order write that a down. Shirt. We need to make those on Monday. <laughs> All right. So now you guys have this amazing book. When is it coming out? When can people get it? Where, what, what, is, what are the logistical sides of this? So the book is actually out right now. It was released on May 23rd. It is finally in physical form. I'm on Zoom, so this is mirrored, but it's very pretty. It smells like a real book and tastes like a real book. We'll put it up again. I want to see more. Yeah, sure. It's really pretty. That is beautiful. Yeah. One of my friends was like, it is appropriately goth for your aesthetics, but it's appropriately goth. Love it. (laughs) No, it came out great. It is available on all of your major booksellers. Um, Retailers can pick it up through Ingram. Um, They're the sort of the bulk retailer. Um, But yeah, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, Apple Books and all of the the usual suspects, I guess we would say. Um, I need one because I need to highlight it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a little bit of a, (laughs) we had... So y'all, I did something so fucking stupid. I, we released a book during Mercury Retrograde. I don't, don't fucking do that. Don't ever, please learn from my mistakes. <laughs> we didn't actually have physical books at the book release party, although oh. we ordered them well in time. <laughs> oh dear. It's okay. It's over now. <laughs> the book existed. It's real. <laughs> But it was it was a bit of a clusterfuck for a little while. So yeah, it's uh, um, uh, also bookshop.org. I think supports small independent booksellers, so that one's available. And yes, now now you can get a copy. It is not being held up by Mercury in reverse cowgirl or whatever. Oh, awesome! <laughs> That's great. <laughs> do not do these things during this time. We, this we are witches. Being we so arrogant. Better. <laughs> I was doing, you know, it's, I think some of it's system preference. I prefer numerology to astrology. And I was like, oh, that's a really good number day. We're going to go with that day. That was a dumb fucking choice. I should have checked. I, I know better. I know better. So also, if you're a witch in your 40s and you've recently fucked up something magical, solidarity, it happens to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and there happens to be a training book that's out and available now that might teach you how to fix it. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> least i can help you recover i'm really good at that (laughs) 
Well, this has been fantastic having you guys on here today. Um, so if people want to sign up and just go to, was it blackfeathermysteryschool.com? Blackfeather it's just blackfeathermystery.com. We are on Instagram at blackfeathermystery. We're on the book of face. Uh, Kane and I are also both very easy to find by virtue of the fact that we have somewhat unusual names. So if you want to talk to either one of us, um, we're both on social media and pretty easy to track down. Um, my name is Irene Glass. There, I think is only maybe one or two others and they are in their 70s so <laughs> i just checked you pop up pretty darn easy exactly great. irene as a first name has not been popular since i think the early 1900s so there's not a lot of competition for the name at this point in time um so feel free to track us down we'd love to hear from you and thank you so much both of you for having us on your show this was a delight thank you for letting us talk about our book and our school it was great it was absolutely great you guys are doing great great work and thank you. I love it. I'm a fan. Yay. Yeah, this is fantastic. And I look forward to sitting down to talk about our second book. Awesome. <laughs> we love that. Absolutely. absolutely I look forward to that. reading it. <laughs> yes. Wait. Yeah. Because then we get into the intermediate, which is way more fun. <laughs> well, and I, I know that we practice a lot of things really similar just by the way that you laid out your book. So I'm super excited to read number two. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I'll be better at homework and will time you better so i actually do my homework and read it all beforehand you you do you it's all good you got you guys got a <laughs> lot going on i'm just i'm thank you so much for holding space for kane and i i'm really grateful well it's and by then, maybe we can get you so that you finished the first book like actually practicing it and then we can right well that'd be amazing <laughs> so that i don't just close it out and then we done no i mean i want the the actual physical the physical books, book highlight and things that's I like that it works better for me no I'm with you my books are all dog-eared and have like notes oh. in the margins and stuff I'm still I'm a little bit of a dinosaur I still like my physical books like I'm a big this, fan. they have the smell they have the yeah. you know like the Kane was saying, thing. you gotta have the smells and that it just works better for me well thank you guys so much for coming on today it was an absolute delight your book is fantastic i will be recommending it to any new practitioners that come into the shop and absolutely it was it was just a wonderful wonderful time having you on thank you so much thank you thank you guys